Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. How many of you enjoyed our normal series? A couple of you. That's good. So normal is very different than average. We've talked about this a little bit. Normal is the conforming standard. It is what is supposed to be where average is kind of what everybody's doing. And so Jesus is the perfect picture of normal for the Christian life. He is our example. First um, John four seventeen says that as he is, so are we in this world. And so Jesus is our picture of what we're supposed to be like. So often we are like looking around at everybody else and we're like, oh, well, you know, I'm a little bit better than them. I'm not as good as them. And we start comparing ourselves. But the the thing about Christianity is even in the word Christian, it means little Christ. It means that we're actually living to be like Jesus. And for us as a church family, our mission statement is actually to be a family on mission, representing who Jesus is to the world around us. You see, here's the cool thing about Christianity is it's not simply a belief system, but it's actually the belief that the God of the universe has taken up residence in me, which is what empowers me to be like him. And so Jesus is normal, and that's what we're living into, realizing that we've already received him, that we're one with him, that we're united with him, not separated from him. And then we've been looking at stories in the book of Acts because I think Acts paints the picture for what the normal life looks like. It's cool, when when the book of Acts was actually written, it was written uh, with this title, The Gospel of the Holy Ghost. It's actually a picture not necessarily just of the apostles, although it covers much of their lives and ministry. It's actually a picture of what the Holy Spirit looks like as he's working in and through people. Isn't that pretty cool? And so Acts is, is not just a story of what happened, but it's actually a picture of what life was meant to be like. And so we started off talking about Normal looks like walking in power, authority, holiness, and love. That it looks like living a devoted life. We talked about when Charles Patterson was here, that it really is a growing in a simple faith. Steve talked about how serving is spiritual. And then a couple weeks ago, he, he taught on apostolic preaching, which is this. It's the idea that we can declare the gospel of the kingdom in a way that transforms culture. Isn't that pretty cool? And then last week, Papa Jack Taylor taught on generosity and really how the normal life is generous, how we actually have a God who is able to pour out all grace on us. And the end result is that we have everything we need to represent him in the world. So this morning, I want to talk about this idea that the normal life, normal Christianity is actually spirit led. That if you want to be normal, if you want to live like Jesus, then it requires this, that we would be led by the Spirit of God. One of the things that happened a little over 500 years ago, actually 501 years ago, was this thing called the Reformation. And the Reformation was was pretty incredible because it, it moved us from this idea that we would earn our salvation, that we would actually have salvation by by faith, and that we would receive it by grace pretty phenomenal. One of the things that also was happening in culture at the same time is that we were going uh, through a time of, of really learning and growing and depending on reason and logic. And I, I think we needed that. There is so much discovery and revelation that we've stepped into as a world because of that. One of the things that it seems to me that we've lost, and I believe we're entering into a season of recovering it, is this idea of mysticism. 
And the word mystery or mystical is actually used in the New Testament all the time. It was one of Paul's favorite words. And this idea of mystery is this, is that if God is God, then he is bigger than just being a God of my understanding. He's actually a God of my knowing, meaning I can be in relationship with him, but his ways are bigger than my ways. The things that he does don't seem to make sense into a normal mind, but they're actually leading me into the very best that he has for me. And so I believe that God is, is inviting us to embrace mystery. And I believe that mystery is an invitation to deeper intimacy with God. And so when there are things that happen, when you have that nudge inside of you to like, hey, go there, say that, I, I believe that, that what it is is that God is saying, step deeper into relationship with me through this experience. I believe that God is leading us into that. It does not mean that we check our brains at the door, but it means this, that we embrace God who is way bigger than our intellect or our understanding. I love what Jesus said, uh, some of his last words uh, before the cross in uh, John 16, verse 7, he says this, but in fact, it is the best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. That word advocate is a word, one of the many words for the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, or actually Acts even says the Spirit of Jesus. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's, he's saying that better than me with you in the flesh is me in you by my Spirit. Imagine this. Like, I think it would be incredible to have been a disciple, to actually like had the dust of Jesus as he was walking cover me. I think that would have been phenomenal. But here's what Jesus is saying. That's not what you want. You, you don't want me in the flesh. You want your, my spirit in you. And I believe a key to our faith journey is this, is that we would learn how to live led by the Holy Spirit. That we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 5, 19, he says, uh, I only do what I see the Father doing. And then in 12, 49, he says this, I only say what I hear the Father saying. What Jesus is saying is this, is that my life, even though he was fully man and fully God at the same time, talk about mystery, even though he was that, here's what he was saying, I'm living in such divine communion with the Father that I'm only doing what he's doing and saying what he's saying. Back to John 4, or 1 John 4, 17. As he is now, so are we in this world. You see, there's this invitation in our faith to actually live led by the Spirit. And that it isn't simply that I'm led by the Spirit when I'm in church services. That's called religiosity. If it doesn't work in every realm of life, then, then I believe that, that it's actually not kingdom. It's actually not from God. Here, here's one of the things. So I, I do uh, some business uh, stuff just as a, as a part-time job, and I really enjoy it. One of the things that we do um, is that we actually pray and wait on God to speak as we're making decisions. You see, hearing from God and being led by the Spirit isn't something that I just do. It's not just like I, I just take my life and I dissect it and say, this is my spiritual life. And so I'm just going to ask God to lead me what scripture to read in the morning, though that's great. But it's actually that I'm going to expect God to lead me in every area of my life, every decision that I make infused by his Spirit. Does that sound good? Y'all on board? 
Okay, two of you, that's awesome. I'm okay, but I want you to, 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 to get it out. Yeah. Amen. Amen? There we go. Okay. I love what Jesus says in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's something about being a child of God that informs us of this, that we actually get to hear the voice of God. It's not something that is relegated for the super spiritual, the specially anointed, the the prophets of the bunch. It's, It's not that. It's actually that all of us have a right to be led by the Spirit of God. And so there are several ways that God speaks to us by his spirit. I'm just going to touch on a few of those. And then we're going to look at several stories in the book of Acts um, very quickly and and just kind of unpack how how normal it is. I believe that, that God speaks to us often directly. And there can be all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's dreams. Sometimes it's that internal nudge. Sometimes it's like a voice that's audible. Uh, but, but I believe that God loves to speak to us, to prompt us. So often, I believe it's just this internal nudge. It's, it's what I was talking about um, with, with Natalie, that uh, I just felt like God said, hey, I, I sent her to you. I'm like, okay, I can receive that. It wasn't this audible thing. It was something that just required me to trust God. And also, it didn't mean that I went out and did something crazy, like just like brought her on staff immediately, right? So often we think that whenever we hear God, we have to check our brain at the door. But actually, when God's speaking, he's always speaking wisdom, Did you know that Jesus calls himself the word of God? That word logos is what he's using. That's the Greek word. And it actually means divine purpose or divine reason. But but God is not, he, he, he may not make sense to us, but he's not unreasonable. He's actually leading us in wisdom. And so it requires when we're hearing the voice of God that, that we have wisdom. God loves to speak to us through other people. Uh, in our culture, we call that prophetic or prophecy that he would actually speak to us through other people. Again, you don't check your brain at the door when somebody gives you some sort of prophetic word. They're like, hey, I, I sense this from God or this is what God's saying to me. But you actually, here's the cool thing. You should be led closer to God when somebody gives you a word from God. We actually need each other. And, and that's part of the way that God designed for it to work. We actually have a responsibility to be accountable to the words that are spoken to us. And so last week, when Jack Taylor was here, he said this to us. He said, I'm going to return to you at the end of next year, and you're going to have 500 adults and 500 college students. That's a big word. I don't know if y'all caught that. It is actually on the podcast. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, that's like... Like, our, we didn't set out to grow a big church. We just set out to be a people of the presence of God and follow him. And if God's in it, I'm all over it. But what, I, what, what we decided that we would do is, one, is that we would actually take that word and pray about it. Uh, I've been talking with our senior leadership team about it, with our, with our core leadership team about it. I've even been talking to some mentors about it. I'm like, okay, I don't want to just wait for God for this thing to unfold. But I also want to, so I want to take it seriously I know this, that it's actually not our responsibility to make it happen, right? God said it, and here's what's cool. When God speaks something, he actually puts his grace on it, which empowers it to happen. So the picture that I've had for us as a church family is that we're kind of like Noah. That God said it's going to rain. Noah probably said, I have no grasp for even what that word means. It's never rained before. 
Not his responsibility to make it rain. Did you notice Noah never did a rain dance? But what Noah did do is he followed the voice of the Lord and God told him, build an ark. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to participate with God and say, okay, God, you didn't speak and then remove your presence from us, but you actually spoke something that you want to empower by your grace. And so we'll be along for the ride with you, but we're just going to follow you and we're going to ask you for the heavenly blueprint and not just try to make it up and make it happen on our own because that sounds miserable to me. And so when God speaks, we want to respond um, with wisdom and when he speaks something, it doesn't mean that we check our brains at the door. God also speaks just through wise counsel. Like when, when God speaks something to you, it's important that you actually have people process that with you. But he also just loves to speak through words of wisdom. Like he just begins to like, I have lots of people in my life that are just, I'm running stuff by and they're giving me wisdom. And I think so often God is found not in the dramatic prophetic words, but he's actually found just in wise counsel. And then finally, God speaks through the Bible. He loves to speak through the Bible. If you want to know what the voice of God is like, find it right here. This becomes even the boundaries for what we hear. If you find something that disagrees with what you find revealed in Scripture about who God is, then it's probably not God. But we actually use Scripture as our our guideline. And and one of the things that I, I realize is that as I have close friends, I, I know what their voice sounds like, right? They call you, you don't say who this is, you just know their voice. God has, has spoken lots of words in here. This is a great way to, to tune your, vo- your ear in to what his voice sounds like. And so often as we read it, we don't just read it on our own, but we actually read it with the Holy Spirit and it, and it comes alive and actually speaks even to our circumstances on a daily basis. I heard a, a story a while back that there was a, a manufacturing engineer and he retired and he was working in Detroit and, and he was working there and, and he had built all of this machinery, this automation to build cars. And so he, he, he decided, hey, I'm going to go into retirement. And so he did his best to hand off, okay, this is how all this stuff works and, and you guys can take care of it now. And so he goes into retirement and this part of the process, the machinery went down. It wasn't working. They tried everything that they could to get it to work. They brought in all sorts of experts. Finally, they get this guy on the phone and say, hey, can you help us? What's, what's going on? What's the, what's the problem? How can you fix this? And he said, well, he said, I probably have to be there in person. And so he shows up and he goes up to the machine and he, he kind of steps back and he says, hey, could you bring me a hammer? And they're like, okay. So they hand him a hammer and he goes, bam. And then all of a sudden, the machine just starts working. So, so they say, okay, well, you send us a bill when you get home. And so he gets on his computer, sends them this invoice. And he says, on the invoice, it says, one hammer hit, $15,000. And they said, no, that's not going to work. We can't pay you $15,000 for a hammer hit. So he rewrites the invoice. And he says, one hammer hit, $1. Knowing where to hit with the hammer, $14,999. You see, we know all sorts of stuff that is good and right to do, but, but it's not about what we know. It's actually about being led by the Spirit of God. One of my friends 
Rainey, when I was doing college ministry, she was an intern with me, and, uh, and she was a student at the same time. And, and uh, for years, like over a decade, I heard stories of this one psychology professor, and, and he basically would bring students into his class to convince them that God is not real and that the Bible is not real. And so he was just continuing on this like same, and, and I had several friends that throughout the years would, would stand up in class and argue with them. I remember one of my friends, Chris, stood up and argued with him, and he was like the first Christian who had ever even made a good solid point, and he got it right, and like the whole class was like, whoa, and the professor went on doing what he was doing, right? So Rainey had no idea who that professor was. She showed up to her class early and saw that professor leaving his class and, and felt this nudge from God. Would you go tell him I, I love him? And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. So she actually got up and started walking the other way, right? How many of us do that? Just like Jonah. She didn't wait for the big well or big fish to swallow her. She actually responded and goes back to him and sits down next to him and said, hey, can I, can I pray for you? Is there anything that you need healing for? And he said, nope. And God was like, I didn't ask you to pray for him. I told you to tell him that I love him. And so she says, hey, God wants me to tell you that he loves you and that he's always loved you. Tears come streaming down his face. She then said, can I pray for you? So she prays for him and she begins to pray issues that are going on in his life. Like she prayed this for restoration and relationships. And he was having a tough time with his wife. She began to pray that the project that he was working on, that, that seems like everything was falling apart, that it would actually come back together. She didn't know, but he had been, she knew nothing about this guy, but he was actually working on a book, had written a book, and it had gone nowhere. It had basically fallen apart. Just like the, the story of the manufacturing engineer, there is something about being led by the Spirit of God that you can do everything right and not do the right thing, but when you're led by the Spirit of God, you end up doing the right thing at the right time. You see, for decades, students had argued with this man and never gotten through. Why? Because his issue was not a head issue, though his argument was his issue was a heart issue. And when you follow the Spirit of God, you actually figure out the right place to hit. And so we see this. This seems to be the way that the church in the book of Acts operates. We see in Acts 1.16, it says that the Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. They knew what was going to happen, that, that Judas was actually going to betray Jesus well before Judas was ever born, and that they would actually need to find somebody to take his place. And so that's what they do. They knew that God had already spoken prophetically through Scripture, and so they just walked into that. We see it Time and time again, I love this story in Acts uh, 8, where Philip, who's one of the, the servants, the deacons, and he's filled with the Spirit of God, and he finds himself led by the Spirit of God to be walking on this road. And, and as he's walking, he, he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch who was a very, very powerful man in a very powerful empire. And he's in his chariot, and he's reading Scripture. And, and Philip comes alongside him, prompted by the Spirit of God, and begins to tell him what he's reading, what it actually means. And the guy says, okay, what do I do? And, and, and Philip says, you just need to repent and be baptized. So they find some water along their journey that baptized the guy. 
Again, all of this led by the Spirit of God. And then Philip's going with him a little bit, and, the, and God just takes him up and puts him in a whole other city. That blows my mind. I'm waiting for my time to be that important for God to like say, hey, Joel, you don't need to travel. I'm just going to move you over to here. We see it again in, in uh, Acts chapter 9. We have directly benefited from this story. Paul, who was Saul, who was murdering Christians, experiences God in this bright light, goes blind, and then uh, the Holy Spirit, just about the same time, shows up to Ananias and says, hey, that, that man who's persecuting Christians, he's actually had an encounter with me, and I want you to go and meet with him. And, and he actually argues with God. How many of you ever argued with God? Probably all of you, right? He argues with God and loses, because that's the way that works. And, uh, and so then he goes and he meets with him, and it launches Paul into his ministry. We see it again in Acts chapter 10, right? Cornelius is praying, and he gets this visit from an angel, and the angel says, hey, I need you to go to this place at this time, led by the Spirit of God. Send some people and go get this man named Peter. Peter, meanwhile, is praying, and he falls into a trance, and he actually has the same vision three times. It's saying, basically, look, all food is clean, which is also saying it's okay to mix with Gentiles. We've benefited from that because they were led by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead and the same Spirit that's in you. We see it again in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas are with the church there, and they're worshiping, and the Holy Spirit says this, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It's incredible. Just the Spirit of God, they're worshiping all of a sudden, says, hey, do this. And so they do, and it launches them into their ministry. I love this one in Acts chapter 15, verse 28. They're, they're meeting and they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with Judaism and with this new movement called the way or called Christianity? What is it that we do? And so they begin uh, talking and unpacking, okay, what are, we, what, what are we supposed to hold on to? And then, and then what's not essential? And in verse 28, it says this. Now they're, they're deciding what it looks like even for you and I in our faith now almost 2,000 years later. And it says this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden, burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. It seemed good. You're making a decision for all of us for almost 2,000 years of history and they're going on a seemed good. Seems, seems more serious than that, but they're actually following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I think so often we move from this place of faith to a place of understanding. I love what Paul writes, the church in Galatia, who had, had started off so good. And then he says this, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh. There's something about our faith journey that is just that, a faith journey. And so often, it's easy for us to relate or to, to, uh, to go back to what we know to be safe, what we know to be secure, and not continue on being led by the Spirit of God. But I actually believe that what that is, is it's functional atheism. That we're actually, 
functioning as if we don't believe in God. And there's this invitation all through scripture that we would actually depend on God to lead us. And that he would lead us into his very best. Here's one of the keys to this. You'll only trust God to the extent that you believe that he's good. And so it requires actually that we trust that, that he is speaking to us and that he is actually for us and that he is good to us. And so any time you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit and you don't want to do it, the question is, do you trust in his goodness? And when we trust in his goodness, we'll have the ability to follow him even if it doesn't make sense. So one of the easiest ways to build a relationship, some of you need to know how to build relationships, by the way. Right? Anybody? Is this, is that you ask questions. You see, relationships, healthy relationships always involve curiosity. If you're not curious, then you're probably trying to control. Like when you wake up in the morning, if you're not asking God, hey God, what are we up to today? then it's probably because you have a plan that you don't want him to interrupt. Right? I'm trying to control it. I've got this plan, God, which you just, you could keep that over there. I'm going to go to, to, you know, life group later on. And so I'll, I'll, I'll pick you back up there, but I really don't want to follow you right now. But actually, when we embrace curiosity, we actually have the opportunity to grow in relationship. And so here's what I do just to grow on being led by the spirit of God. I ask God questions all the time. Hey, God, what are you up to? What are you saying now? What do you want me to do? What's today look like? Going to, to, to meet with somebody. God, what are you saying for them? What do you want our time to look like? I'm struggling just like with how I feel, right? You know that we're not feelers, we're believers, but sometimes we feel off. And so I just ask God, okay, God, why am I feeling this way? What, what's, and I just begin to ask him questions and I wait on him to answer. And I promise you, this has very little to do with me and everything to do with God. And so it's not, hey, this is a Joel thing. This is for all of us. When we ask God questions, we should expect for him to speak to us. So here's what I've started doing with my daughter, Eliza, this last week, is that we've started asking on the way to school. We always pray for her. She's sitting in the back seat. And so I put my hand on her foot. She knows to stick her foot out. And so I'll pray for her. And then I'll say, I'll say, hey, Eliza, let's ask God for a word for the day. And so she's like, okay. And I said, let's just pray this. Father, you're good. She'll pray in the back. Father, you're good. What are you doing today? What can I have a word for today? Here's what's crazy. So we did, I took her to school three times last week. The first time, we both got the word kindness. So here's what we did. My tendency is, is to get like something from God, a little bit of direction and then run off and try to figure out how to make it happen on myself, by myself. But that's not the way God works. He actually wants to be in the journey with us. And so we said, okay, God, now what does the word kindness mean? And she, I said, ask him to give you a picture. So she prays six, right? She's six years old. She's not like, uh, you know, super mature person in, in God, right? She hasn't, she's been following Jesus for about a year and a half. So, so she asks, and she says, uh, he showed me that I'm going to help somebody up that's fallen down and give him a big hug. Guess what happens? I pick her up from school. I said, how did it work out? She said, yeah, so-and-so fell down. I picked him up and gave him a big hug. The next day, 
what is it? What's the word, God? We both get joyful. Actually, mine was joy. Hers was joyful. And, and so uh, we said, okay, what does that mean? And she says, I think it means uh, comforting somebody, giving somebody joy that doesn't have it. You know what happened that day? Her friend comes to school who's just lost their grandpa. And she's able uh, just to love on him. The next day, the word we both got was love. We both got this. That blows my mind, right? Like we hadn't been like talking about love all day and then ask God so that it's already in our mind. And he's speaking the same thing to us. And, and so we said, okay, what does that look like? And she, she talked about, and, and then I checked with her and she, she ended up living it out. You see, I, I believe that if it's real, if it's kingdom, it should work with a six-year-old and a 66-year-old. And, and I, I believe that, that God he actually wants to live life with us. The truth is, is that God's actually more interested in living life with you than what you can do with your life. He just wants to walk with you. And I believe that all of scripture is actually an invitation to be led by the spirit of God. And so I encourage you, some of you have made agreements like, oh, I, I can't hear from God. I encourage you to break that agreement. Serious, just say, no, in Jesus' name, I do hear from God because I'm this kid and scripture tells me that every, every sheep of his knows his voice and that we would begin just walking in this way where we expect God to lead us. Doesn't mean you check your brain at the door, but it just means that you respond to God when he speaks. Here's the other key to this. God is not about control. And so when God speaks to you, He's not speaking to you a word that gives you authority over somebody or the right to control somebody. Somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I've got a word from the church. I'm like, ah, you may have a word for the church, but I'll be the judge of that because that's my responsibility, right? Like, and so just because they feel like God said something to them does not give them the authority to just bypass everything else that makes sense, Right? So God speaks something to you. It doesn't mean that you have the right to do something to somebody else. And we don't use God showed me, God spoke to me. I heard God say, we don't use any of that to add authority to our ideas. That's called witchcraft. And instead, we just say, hey, this is what I sense God's saying to me. Here's the thing. If God's saying it to you, to me, and I've got the spirit of God, that means that my spirit is going to agree with it. And so one of the things that gets really weird in like whatever we are, spirit-filled folks, is that you start using God's said as some sort of like, uh, like authoritative, like, hey, this is my badge, God said, and now you have to do what I do. Uh-uh, that's not going to work around here. Instead, we, we weigh everything together and just see what God's saying. And sometimes I'll miss it, right? And sometimes you'll miss it. And so we're just going to have grace with each other. We'll miss it together sometimes, and we'll get it together sometimes, and we'll just be on this journey together. But I really believe that God wants us to walk life with him and be a spirit-led people. Amen? I want to just give you a couple of things that you may be able to respond to. One, you may need to break that agreement that God doesn't speak to me. The other is, is that God is distant from me. So often, shame, guilt, and fear keep us from hearing God clearly. 
Shame is that I'm so dirty, so messed up that there's no way God uh, would speak to me. He's wanting to keep a distance from me. That's such a lie. He's already dealt with your sin and just wants to be with you. Guilt is that I'm so dirty. I feel so bad. There's no way God would want anything to do with me or anybody else would. Again, he's actually not just forgiven us as in said not guilty, but he's actually said you're innocent. And then fear is that I actually don't trust in the goodness of God. And so I I believe when we begin to deal with those, then we actually begin to hear God clearly. And so maybe this morning you just need to deal with your ability to hear with God and God just wants to bless you. He wants to speak to you and through you. And so this morning, our ministry team, they'll pray for you about anything. I think some of you just need to receive the spirit of God. You just need to say, yes, I'll just take take the spirit of God into my life. And I think also that we would just begin to break those lies. Hey, I I can't hear God's voice. But this morning also, I believe that there are some of you that just, you just need somebody to bless you. Maybe you don't even know what you need prayer for, but you need prayer. And so I'm just gonna invite our prayer team to come forward and minister to you. Would you stand with me? Let's pray this together. Father, my Father, you're really good. You love me. You're with me. You never give up on me. You're not keeping me at a distance. You're leading me. And so I choose to live a spirit-led life. That's normal. That's me, led by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all.